Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah, y'all are feeling it, aren't you? 13 more hours, and it will be a new year. Aren't you glad? How many of you are, like, ready to, like, take 2017, put it in the toilet, and just flush it? Gone. How many? Hey, you ready for it to go? Man, 2018 going to be different, right? Right? I don't see a lot of enthusiasm. Let me tell you, I want you to know, 2018, whoo, doggy, it's going to be different. This year, you're going to win the lottery. That's right. You are good to go, man. Not only that, that promotion you wanted, you're going to get a promotion. That's right. You're going to be known as a leader of leaders. And you're going to cast vision. I mean, when you start visionating, people are just going to swoon. And you're going to write a leadership book. It'll be number one on the bestseller list. You end up buying a house, a new house and a house in West Palm Beach. I mean, it's going to be great. And this year, let me tell you, this year you're going to lose weight. That's right. And you're going to lose weight on the chocolate diet. <laughs> it's going to be the best diet ever. And not only that, you're going to wake up one morning, you're just going to be totally good looking, which will be incredible for some of you. But you're going to wake up totally good looking. You women, you're not going to wear makeup anymore. Man, you're going to be beautiful all natural. You know what I mean? And men, you're going to wake up one morning just ripped abs. I can suck it in for 30 minutes. Ripped abs, that's what you're going to be doing, and you're going to be nice looking, and you are going to just have the world as a pearl in your hand. Or, this year, you could choose that, or you could choose, say, no, I'd like to get to know Christ better this year. Which would you choose? If all of that was available to you, or getting to know Christ better? better. Most people in the world, let's be honest, most people in the world, maybe a few in here, would choose option number one. Because it really comes down to what you value. It really comes down to what's important to you, what has true value for you. Now, this is honestly what I want for you this morning, is I want you to be able to start and go through 2018, and it be an incredible year for you. But this is the one thing I know, is that the most incredible year will not come based upon the circumstances that happen to us in our lives. The most incredible year will really come based upon our intimacy with Christ and how close we are to him and how well we know him. See, Paul writes this book called Philippians. It's a letter. He writes it to a church in Philippi. And when he writes this letter, he is actually in prison writing this. He's not in the best circumstances. In fact, he's in some of the worst circumstances. He's lost everything. He's in a jail cell. And yet one of the key words of this book is the word joy. How does someone who's lost everything, they are now in a prison, <laughs> write a letter, and the key word of that letter is the word joy? Well, it comes down, really, to what he values. And he shows us that in this book. In Philippians 3.8, I want you to, to see this. It says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Now, that word all in the Greek literally means all, everything. 
everything lost. You think what's important to you, those things that are valuable, all of that's lost compared to the value of knowing Christ, which causes him to make a choice. And look at his choice. His choice in Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ and to die as gain. To live as Christ and to die as gain. Why don't you say that with me? To live as Christ and to die as gain. Awesome. You have just memorized a scripture. Pass, pat yourself on the back. That's a good one to memorize. In fact, to live is Christ. I would love that to be the theme of this year coming up in your life. That if you had a theme for this year, it would be uh, a headboard above it that said, to live is Christ. Well, Paul goes on this letter, and in chapter 3, he expounds on that. What to live is Christ mean? What does that mean, to live is Christ? Uh, it's an important term. It's an important phrase. But what does it really mean? And so in Philippians chapter 3, he begins to really break that out for us. And so let's look at that. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, the first thing that we see, that he says if we are going to live for Christ, if for us to live is Christ, then the one of the first things it's going to mean is that we are going to have to trust Christ completely. Let's look at that verse. It says, for we are, this is verse 3, for we are the true circumcision. Now, that, what that simply means is that these are the true believers in Christ. These are ones who, uh, who had their hearts circumcised, <laughs> who uh, gave their lives completely to Christ. So he says, we are the true circumcision in Christ who worship in the Spirit of God. So when they come and they worship, they're not just doing their religious thing. They are actually coming to worship and glory in Christ Jesus and put confidence in the, in the flesh. Now, notice those last two phrases. We talked about worshiping the Spirit of God, but notice those last two phrases, glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. The, one of the things that we see is that these people, these ones who are circumcised of the heart, these who are it means to live as Christ, is that they glory in Christ Jesus. That word glory would be like boast. They boast about Christ Jesus. That's who they brag about. Man, they're bragging about Christ and what he's done. And that was their boast. And for most of us, it kind of goes differently. We kind of, we glory in self because that's what we want to see. But it's only Jesus Christ who can do anything of real significance in this world, in this life. I mean, I want to boast. I want to glory in Christ Jesus. Because there was a time when I was a little hoodlum. Man, I was uh, drinking, I was stealing, I was doing all those things. Some I don't even want to mention. And then Christ changed me. He transformed me. And only he could do that. I had two parents, both of them alcoholics, drinking beer all the time, smoking cigarettes like chimneys. On their third time, threatening divorce and were looking for apartments when Jesus Christ came into our family and transformed it so that my parents now have a relationship, have a marriage that brings glory to God, and my dad preaches the gospel. I want a glory in Christ Jesus. Well, go ahead and clap. Give glory to God. That's what he does. Hey, look, money doesn't do that. Money didn't save me. Money didn't transform me. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could take a family like ours and transform it to bring him glory. And that's why we want to boast about Christ Jesus. We want to glory in Christ. It wasn't money. It wasn't the persuasiveness of man. It was some get-rich scheme. It wasn't some self-help book. 
It was Jesus Christ, and he transforms lives. He transformed your life, or he will. And he's the only one that can do that, that can give you hope and purpose. So why do you want to brag about you? <laughs> brag about him, man. He's worth it. And believers in Christ, for them to live as Christ, they're going to glory in Christ Jesus. But here the thing is, it's so easy to glory in self, and we do it all the time. I mean, that's really, come on, let's be honest with each other, okay? That's kind of what we want, is it not? I mean, how would I like running into the football stadium and hearing, Steve, Steve, Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the cheerleaders on the side, they're going, Steve, Steve, he's our man. He can't do it. Nobody can. I think I'd like that, you know, uh, because there's that glory and stuff. But not even things like mean, the littlest thing, the flesh is so, so tricky, so deceitful. I mean, and I can say that for myself. I have to watch it for me because we all want that approval. I want you to, I want you to like me. I want you to love me, you know, and we all seek for that. But what we should seek is the approval of Jesus Christ. Man, even at Sunday school, a life group fellowship, we're having a fellowship throwing marshmallows. Someone's holding a little circle. We're throwing marshmallows through the circle. We're having a contest, two teams. It's a weird life group, isn't it? Anyway, so we're throwing these. And man, I tell you what, I am on fire, dude. I am on fire. I am. Man, every marshmallow I'm throwing. And Rad Birch is behind me saying, Whoa, Steve is so good, man. He must have played baseball. I'm like, that's right. Mm -hmm. I, we, I threw seven marshmallows, and get this, six of the seven went through. The other team, all of them together, got five. So you know what I did? And all my spirituality, I went to the, the lady, Cynthia Ellis, who was doing the uh, game. I said, you do realize I beat the other team <laughs> by myself. <laughs> right? <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, I could just see me, the day I get to heaven, God's going to say, man, See, I want you to know I made you the best marshmallow thrower on the whole earth. You the man. You the one. But that's how the flesh gets. I mean, we want to be recognized. We want to receive glory. But it was John the Baptist. You probably, some of you may remember this story. When he, all the crowds were following him, and then Jesus came on the scene. Then all the crowds started following Jesus, and his disciples said, Hey, John, they're all following Jesus now. you got small crowds. And he said, what did John the Baptist say? He must increase. I must I hope that's a theme for 2018 for you as well, that he increases. See, we have to trust Christ completely. I mean, the Bible's clear. Without faith, without trust, it is impossible to please God. What is the victory that overcomes the world? Even your faith. You've got to trust him with everything that you have. But be careful. The flesh is very tricky. I mean, some people, I've heard people say this to me. Maybe some of you have said it to me. Steve, wow, you have such an awesome family. I'm sure several of you have said that to me. And this is what they say, though. We, we see your pictures on Facebook. And wow. And I tell people, man, if what you see, if you can see me, what I put on Facebook, and you don't love me after that, that's all I got. That's the best I get. I am telling you, what I put on Facebook is me at my best, right? And so let me tell you that we don't put on Facebook, do we? Those times that we had the argument with our spouse, 
the time we got raving, stark, lunatic, mad at our kid, right? That video stays off the Facebook. The truth is, though, that we, we all put out there our best shot. I mean, everybody came in here this morning. You know, did you have a Merry Christmas? Yeah, no one said, worst Christmas ever. Why? We're putting on that, that front because we want to look good. What we want to do is to glory in Christ Jesus, not in ourselves. What do we boast about? Listen to this. If we're going to boast, what do we boast about? Listen to Jeremiah. He says, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. If you want to boast about something, then boast about the fact that you know him, that you know Christ, that you know him intimately, that you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that nothing, nothing you will allow to distract from that. Boast on that. Paul says in Galatians, he goes, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does Jesus get the glory? Because he's the one who died for you. He died on that cross. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And he calls you friend. But he laid down his life. He died on the cross. He gets the glory. He went to the tomb. He defeated death. He gets the glory. This morning, we should make a definite determination that Jesus Christ will get the glory in our lives. Completely. Because he's the only one who deserves it. And put no confidence in the flesh. Look, we really can't make anything of significance happen in our flesh, right? I mean, the truth is, it has got to be the Spirit of God. Can you transform one life? Look, I can't preach this sermon and, not, and anyone in here get changed. It has to be the Spirit of God. Put no confidence in the flesh. Put your confidence in Jesus Christ. He is the one worthy of that confidence. Trust Him completely. But not only that, we don't just trust him completely, but we need to cherish him supremely. Look at verses 7 through 10, what he says. He says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him. And get this, the power of his resurrection, but not only that, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Paul cherished Christ supremely. To cherish something means that you would give everything for it. And supremely means that there is nothing, nothing more important than that object. And that object here we're talking about is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ, and we need to cherish him supremely. And if we're going to recognize that, then we need to understand this, that Christ is our greatest treasure. There are a lot of treasures the world offers. There's a lot of things that they would love to give to you. I mean, today we've got, what, uh, flat screen TVs that are so sharp and clear. They look, they look more real than the real thing, right? I mean, they are so completely unbelievable. You've got an iPhone or 
smartphone. That I mean, you can do your banking, you can pay your bills, you can launch satellites. I mean, you can do so much stuff with this, and all of this is in the palm of your hand. The truth is that every one of you, if you look at the history of the world, are wealthier than 99.9% of the people ever born on this earth. But those treasures are nothing, nothing compared to the treasure of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, I'm willing to get, in fact, he gave it all up. He gave all of it up because Christ was so valuable to him. There's a parable in the Gospel of Matthew. It talks about a man. He's out in the field. He finds his treasure. And it's like, wow, it's awesome. He puts it, he buries it back in the ground. Then he goes and sells everything that he has, everything that he has, and buys that field. Now, his relatives probably thought, man, are you crazy, dude? You sold your house. You sold all you have. To buy that field? But he would be able to say, oh, that there's something. There's something you don't know. There's a treasure in that field. A treasure in that field that makes it all worth it. Some people may talk to you, man, you give up weekends to worship God? You give money? Man, you tithe to the church? What, are you crazy? And then we can say, oh, no, but there's a treasure that's worth every single bit of it christ is the greatest treasure first john 2 15 says love not the world nor the things of the world do you cherish jesus christ or is he someone that you like to have just around once in a while you know you're kind of like the center the center of the orbit and jesus kind of just revolves around you and you know he comes around every once a week or so and that's good to see him but then he goes back and or is christ the center is Christ the center of your life and everything revolves around him? Which is it? If you cherish Christ supremely, he is going to be the center of your life. And he is going to be the one that you treasure. And it will be worth everything. Christ is the greatest treasure. Everything else, what does it say? Everything else is rubbish. Now that word rubbish can be translated garbage. can be translated uh, excrement isn't that wonderful dung yeah all of those it can be translated but what he's saying is all these other things compared to the value of christ they're just garbage i would give it all up and have given it all up and i count it as garbage as rubbish because i've got christ i've got the greatest treasure in the world now for us we don't have to make that maybe make that determination to give it all up but let me tell you christians around the world are doing that Listen to me, Christians in Iran, in Iraq, in Syria, in Yemen, I mean, when, they, when they're baptized and they come up and they say Christ is Lord, they realize that decision could cost them everything and has. Look, your brothers and sisters in Christ around this world are saying it's worth it. They've given their lives, they've given their treasures, they've given it all. Why? Because Jesus is worth it he's the greatest treasure all that other stuff is excrement what are you working for what are you what are you striving for are you working that job to, to get that pay raise to get more money in the account well man you just got a big old heaping pile of garbage if you do that that's what you got man yeah a heaping pile of garbage new house you want a new house that is let me tell you that new house is a house of excrement. That's what it is. 
I'm sorry. New car? That new car is a car, is a dung. Dung beetle. Volkswagen, sorry. Anyway. But the fact is, all of that stuff, all of it, is nothing. But where do you spend your time? Let me ask you that. Where do you put your energy, your focus, your heart? Is it as Christ is your treasure or is it on these other items? Paul says, all those things are garbage to me compared to the knowledge, the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. I use this illustration in life group all the time to talk about our love for, for something, for, for whomever. And, and, uh, and I, what I want you to imagine, if you could, is a uh, one-by-six board going across the stage, okay? Y'all know what a one-by-six is? You know what a one-by-six is? Raise your hand. Okay, one-by-six is one inch by six inches, okay? So in any case, so you got one-by-six on, on the stage, and I'm going to pay you $1,000 to walk across it. How many of you would walk across it? Oh, come on, $1,000? You don't even have to do it in front of everybody. Would you do it for $1,000? Mm-hmm, okay, I think you would. So you got this one by six. Now, I'm going to change it up just a little bit, all right? We're going to take this one by six, and we're going to set it right up there on top of that manger and have it go all the way to right on top of this car here. What is that, about eight feet off the ground? Okay, now I'm going to pay you $10,000, all right? $10,000 to walk across that board from there to there, how many of you would do it? Okay, everyone that's under age 50. Good. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if I'd do it, but I'd probably, I'd probably give it a shot, you know, because it's only like eight feet off the ground. Now, same board. I'm, I'm, we're going downtown Columbia this time, okay? Two of the tallest skyscrapers in Columbia. Was that, about five stories? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, they're way up there, okay, way up there. Pretend. You got a 100-story skyscraper, two of them in Columbia, and I'm putting this board across them. It probably goes about, I don't know, the size of a, a football field space. Got this board going across it. I'm going to pay you $10,000 to walk across it. How many of you are going to do it? Oh, please. Only two hands went up, and I'm going to have to talk to them later. That thing's going across the building. I am not going to walk it for no $10,000. You know why? Because my life is more valuable than walking across that board. Now, let me change this illustration up just one little bit, all right? Same board, same two skyscrapers. At the end of the board, somebody has your child or your grandchild. I say, if you don't come across that board, I'm going to drop them. How many of you go across? Yeah, almost everybody. Why? What changed? Something you valued was at the end of that board. Why don't we pursue Christ the way we should? We don't value him the way we should. We wouldn't go across that board. We wouldn't go through the hard times in life to know Christ because we don't treasure him enough. But when we glory in him and when we realize what he's done, when we realize the eternal impact that he's had on our lives, then we treasure him. I tell people, if you don't treasure Christ, then you go to the Gospels and you read about the cross over and over and over again until you treasure him. Because there's no one better. In 2018, the theme of our lives ought to be to live as Christ because he's worth it. And we ought to cherish him supremely.
But not only do we cherish him supremely and we trust in him completely, we need to pursue him passionately. Verses 12 through 14 says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, the, when you cherish something, you pursue it with full abandon. And it's, it's like a race. And even when he talks about this, it's kind of got a race picture to it. Um, and it's a race that lasts a lifetime, and you're pursuing Christ during that life, lifetime. In Hebrews 12, we see the same picture of a race. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so you have this picture of this race that we're all running, and uh, we're fixing our eyes on Christ, who is the author, the perfecter of our faith, who, who, man, he transforms us so that we can trust him. He transforms us so that we can have a relationship with him. And so we're going through this race, and in this race there's a lot of obstacles, a lot of things that we're going through, but regardless of all of those, we never take our eyes off of Christ. But the truth is, sometimes, you know, it tells us to, to basically to lay those burdens down, you know, we're to lay them down and, and not let that sin entangle us while we're running. But the truth is, we'd all have to admit it, there are times when we've allowed the burdens to weigh us down, when we have allowed the sin to entangle us so that we just kind of pull off to the side and we quit running the race. We feel like it's not worth it. Something we've done, maybe some regret, maybe we've blown it. But either, either way, we quit running that race and we quit fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I think that's why he said here, forgetting those things which are behind. In other words, do not dwell in the past. Man, have you blown it? Have you messed up? Have you messed up big time? Man, don't live there. Man, get that under the blood. Do you understand something? That the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive you of every single sin in your life. You do not have to live there. So many people live with this regret and heartache and they live there. They pitch a tent and they dwell in that heartache. You don't have to do that because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Those little tiny sins and that one sin that you're so ashamed of, it's gone. Cast as far as the east is from the west, cast into the sea of forgiveness. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are righteous through the power of Jesus Christ. So why would you live there? Man, this year, make a determination. I will not live there. I'll ask God to forgive me, and I will move on to living for him because he's got a purpose for your life. And his purpose is not for you to live with regret. Man, if I could go back into my life and change some things, I guarantee you I'd do it. But I can't. So what do I do? I press on. I quit living in the past. Forget that mess. Has he forgiven you or not? 
Are you the one person that is so sinful that the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ can't cleanse you? I don't think so. So put that behind you and begin to pursue Christ passionately, straining towards that goal, giving everything that you have. There's this article in Runner's World. Some of you who actually run may know this story. It's the story of uh, Beth Ann, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, DeSantis. She was someone that ran for the, uh, running for the Olympic team. She was an American. And to qualify, this was back in 1992, you had to complete the marathon in less than two hours and 45 minutes. Well, she started strong, started having trouble around mile 23. She reached the final straightway at two hours and 43 minutes. She's on that final straightaway. Just two minutes left. She qualifies. 200 yards from the finish, she stumbled and she fell. She was dazed. She stayed down for 20 seconds. The crowd was yelling, get up. They can see the clock. <laughs> they see her. The clock was ticking two hours and 44 minutes, less than a minute to go. Somehow she staggered to her feet and just began walking. Five yards short of the finish with 10 seconds to go, she fell again. She began to crawl, the crowd cheering her on, and she crossed the finish line on her hands and knees. Her time, two hours, 44 minutes, and 57 seconds. I mean, that's, sometimes I kind of think that's kind of like how I'd like to, to end. That time when I cross the finish line and I go into glory, I want to have left it all on the field. Do you know what I mean? I, I, want to be, I want to be so passionate for him and so much love for him. All my energy, all my devotion goes to him that literally when I cross the finish line of his life, I got nothing left because he's got it all. Man, you've got to strain. You know, he kind of... Well, he says he's strained towards the goal of knowing Christ. You press, press on. When you're running, when you're jogging, you ever done that? You know, that, that pain in the side? You know what I mean? <laughs> or that time when you hit the wall and you just keep going because it's worth it. Because getting to the finish line is worth it. And here at the finish line is Jesus Christ and we press on. We don't stop. We don't give up. We don't quit for anything, no matter the circumstances. Look, when it comes to circumstances, I can't tell you what 2018 holds for you. I wish I could, but I can't. But I do know this. It can be one of the very best years of your life because you've made a determination this year to live is Christ above any and everything else. And this year, I'm going to pursue him, and I'm going to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then, regardless of the circumstances, I can tell you, it could be one of your best years ever. You know, when you really want something, right? You really, really want something, you pursue it, do you not? 
I mean, I don't know what some of the things that you've wanted in your life. Maybe, you know, a, a new BMW or maybe a man cave, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you pursue it. You start getting all the stuff together to, to, to make it happen. But none of that stuff is better than Christ. I can remember when I was younger, when I was not married, that my uh, wife and I were working together. And, uh, man, I thought she was just the prettiest little thing I'd ever seen in the whole stinking wide world. So you know what I began to do? Pursue her. I came up, oh, let me tell you, I came up with a master plan. You would love it. It was awesome. I came up with a master plan. How I was gonna get, now, she was already dating some other jerk, I mean, a uh, guy. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so I first, uh, the first thing I had to do was you know, I had to be good friends with her. So I got good friends, and then she started, you know, Asking me for some advice, you know, about that. I said, he did what? He did what? Oh, man, I, I dropped him like a hot potato. <laughs> Step number one. <laughs> Step number two, man, I, was wor- I worked nights. She worked in the morning. And so at night, whenever I closed, I did all her work for the I mean, When she came in in the morning, all she had to do was flip the light switch on. And then I'd leave her a little note telling her how awesome she was. That's all I did. Yeah, and so all of that began to work. And the first thing you know, we had a date. And now we've been married for 3,600 years or something like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> but I was devoting my time, I was devoting my energy, my creativity, all to getting a date with her. Think if we use that type of energy, all of that to know Christ better. Man, we need to trust him supremely. We need to cherish him, uh, trust him completely, cherish him supremely, and pursue him passionately. But the final thing is, is that we need to live for him consistently. Look at these last two verses. It says, let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Now get this last part. Let us Keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. You see that phrase, that phrase, I'm sorry, keep living? Keep living. That means every day. Uh, that's not just Sunday, but every day you keep living for Christ. No compartmentalization. No saying, I give Christ Sunday, but on Monday I'll be whatever I want to be. The fact is, every day is His. And you are a Christ follower every day. You should be following him and living for him. You, you may be a parent, but first you are a Christ follower. You may be a, a doctor or a lawyer, but you are a Christ follower disguised as a doctor or a lawyer. You may be a butcher, baker, a candlestick maker. It doesn't make any difference, but you are a Christ follower first at work, at home, at church. You live for Christ consistently every single day because you treasure him, because you cherish him, because he's worth pursuing. Now, if anything I could give to you that I would want for you, sincerely, with all my heart, I would want for 2018, the theme of that year for you to be to live as Christ. The problem is there's so many distractions out there. There's so much junk pulling you away from Christ. 
But if you want, if you want to have a year that matters, if you want to have a great year, then for this year, 2018, make a determination that this year to live is Christ. I want nothing else more than I want Jesus Christ. I would give it all up just that I could know him. I want to live for him. I want to give my complete everything to him. For some of you here this morning, even as I talk about this, though, this whole thing about a relationship, you're not really clued in. You're not so sure about what is this relationship. I mean, you have a relationship with, you know, maybe a spouse. You have a relationship with a parent or whatever. You understand that, but a relationship with Christ? I mean, really, when you... When you come on Sunday morning, you're really kind of just doing that religious thing. You know what I mean? You're coming here, singing the songs, makes you feel good, whatever you leave. But, but if I was to ask you, if I was to sit down, you know, face to face with you and say, do you understand, do you actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You say, I'm not sure. I, I, th I think maybe I do. I mean, because I've learned a lot about him, and, uh, but I'm not sure. That's what he wants. I mean, before you can ever live for Christ, you know, you have to be his. You have to give your life to Christ. You have to have a relationship with him. Now, what I'd like us to do, just everyone around this worship center, just close your eyes. And I want you to think about that question. Think about it really hard. Do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I know him, that I have a relationship with him. If I were to die before we even get to 2018, do I know that I would spend eternity with him forever? That's the most important question that you can ever ask. So let me just ask you, if you're in a spot right now where you say, I just don't know. I want to know. I want to be sure. In fact, this morning, I would like to nail that down. If that's you this morning, then what I simply want you to do is just to raise your hand up right now. If you had said this morning, I'm not positive that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I want to nail it down. Or maybe you say, I know I don't. But this morning, I would like to. Either one of those. If that's you, would you raise your hand up high so I can see it? No one's looking around. Raise your hand up. Anybody? in this worship center anywhere. Okay, I see you in the back. God bless you. I see, okay, I see that other hand too. Anyone else? I see you, okay? In the back over there, I see you. Okay, then this is what I want us to do. Those who have raised your hands, I want to lead you in a prayer. This prayer is not magic words. You, simply, you need to pray it from your heart to God. But, uh, as I lead you in this prayer, you repeat these words with your heart to him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that he rose again the third day. And this morning, this very moment, I turn away from all my sins and I turn completely to Jesus Christ. 
and I ask you to save my soul. And I pray this in Jesus' name.